there any particular rituals that you would suggest to a person that can help them get into alignment or back into sync with the coming season? Definitely. And I would refer back to the ancestors because this is the time when the dead are a lot closer to us. And um, this is also the new year for the witches. This is also new year for the, for, the, for the Jewish people. You know, this is always a time of reset at this time. So going back to the people who've already been on this planet and who want to speak to you is an important part. So if you had a ritual where you set up um, a glass of water or a candle just to make 15 minutes with the dead and with the ancestors. And with ancestors are not necessarily your blood relatives. Um, it is any dead who want to come to visit you. So if you have a particular problem, if you have a particular way of looking at the world, they can come to help you with those things. And so in this, you know, setting up that um, space and time, that 15 minutes where you're starting to listen, will make you not have to wake up at two or three in the morning or not be bothered when you're in the middle of something and all of a sudden you hear something knocking and wanting to talk. Because if you set up office hours, it makes it gives them a time that you're doing it and a time and place for you to listen and get those messages, especially as you're going inward and especially right now in the middle of all this chaos. Because the more we're listening to those messages, the more we're on track to avoid some of the problems out there. You know, Very good. so and it, and it doesn't have to be an altar, but like you were saying, it could be a, it could be just sitting and having a cup of coffee, you know, set another cup of coffee down beside you, um, have tea with your grandmother or having a little bit of dinner with one of your relatives, especially if it's their favorite meal. Um, so just kind of making space and time for the dead to come in and talk to you. Would you recommend that like, like regularly, like every day, every week? Like how? I would do it. I do it every day because it's something... It makes it easier, like I said, because then they don't have to interrupt me. I don't have to wake up. I don't have to have weird dreams. Mm -hmm. I don't have to uh, be having this nagging feeling. I should be listening because it's just, it gives them time to get it in. Right, so. right. And as we were saying earlier, too, a lot of times people with their living situation don't have the ability to set up something elaborate. Or mm -hmm. they don't, I mean, they don't have the space or the mm -hmm. privacy to set up something elaborate and this might be a perfect opportunity for them to quietly honor their ancestors. And I just think that is a wonderful ritual, mm -hmm. something simple a person can do. Mm -hmm. that's, wonder that's a wonderful suggestion, Misty. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so, of course, I'm excited to talk to you now about the greatest, the greatest <laughs> of all holidays. Um, let's talk about Halloween. And I, I imagine you know a lot about this, the, you know, the season and the, the, the real traditions of Halloween. So can you tell the listeners like where the, the, the holiday really comes from? So people have seen, and people will say it's Samhain, but it's Samhain, because um, Eve, okay, so hollow, evening, is where this comes from. And hollow being sacred, evening. And so in this, it is a time of the year when the veil is the thinnest. We have known this for centuries because we can feel them. This is why we get scared. This is why we carve the jack-o'-lanterns to scare off the evil beings that might take us. Or the, But it's really in the dark. You know, how many times have you been in your bedroom and all of a sudden that thing in your room that might be the chair suddenly seems to have something in it that you don't <laughs> yes. recognize and it scares you? <laughs> and it's just the sweater you threw there because you didn't, weren't thinking. Um, night makes things scary you know, because we can't see as well. Um, and so in this, we were, we've always been scared of the dark in some way, shape, or form, and especially as it gets darker and longer. So those of us who are scared of the dark tend to then want the bad things to go away. And so we lit up pumpkins, we lit up, we carved turnips, we did all these things like gargoyles to scare the, the scary things. And then we dressed like scary things to scare the scary things or to at least fool them into believing we're one of them, right? right. So there's all these ways that this has been a part of it, but Everything from the dumb feast, which you hold a whole banquet where you don't talk at all and you just, and you always have at least one chair that's set fully for whoever shows up. Um, but this is also the time I was raised Jewish and so Rosh Hashanah, we invite Elijah in who is, and when he comes it's supposed to be the end of the world. You know, so there's all these things about inviting your people in to sit at the table. You know, and so those of us who aren't as scared of it. And then there's the others that are a little scared of it. So there's lots of traditions that have been all over the world, but it all deals with the dead. Right. It all deals with the ghosts. About contact with the, the I guess, contact with the, with the ancestors mm -hmm. at that time. With the other side, yeah. which scares some of us, you know, especially if you think it's a one-shot deal, you know. So 
to me, it's like if if there's a one shot deal and they're somewhere in some heaven or hell, how can they come back? What do you mean by one shot deal? Uh, you either go to heaven or hell. Oh, like no reincarnation. No reincarnation. No, like this is your one. This is it. That's all you got. But then how are there ghosts? Uh, well, yeah, I just it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It to doesn't me. make sense at all. <laughs> in, in, in any in any way, I mean, in in a, in a world of or a universe of infinite potentials, uh, we're just you know passing through one little coordinate. Anything can can sneak in. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel yeah. like. The but I don't think we're locked away in a box uh, after one life here. I mean, energy is not created or destroyed, and that's physics. Right. So we are here. We will always be here. We have always been here. It's physics. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, so, how do you personally celebrate this holiday in your particular spiritual tradition? Um, I have had the American witchcraft tradition now for 15 years. I've been doing the Wheel of the Year, at least at the store, for almost 20 years, actually. So, whatever job I had when I worked out in the real world, um, I would bring my cards for the day. And I did readings on all my uh, fellow co-workers, which not everybody knew I was a witch back then. Um, but it was just something I offered on Halloween because it was the time, it was that time. It was the time when divination really helps because you have such a glimpse into the future. Because most of my readings are usually a three-month scope, I would say. I don't like to look beyond three months because things change. And especially in a reading, I'm trying to give you options so you can change things. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the Wheel of the Year is very accurate. I've been told again and again by lots of people that it just and it's one of those things that I've always felt was important at this time because it just gives us that glimpse and even if you don't remember it because a lot of times you look back and go I wish I had read that one <laughs> before the month was out over because yeah. that would have made so much sense but that's sometimes how we do it right yeah. we have to have hindsight to go if we actually knew what was going to happen yeah you know, 2020 is the perfect hindsight year, I think, in some ways, because we're all going to look back at this and go, we could have done things differently. I know. <laughs> so. I know. Uh, well, I mean, I was going to reserve this question for later, but, you know, that brings me to predestination versus free will. Um, what do you think is happening there? So I believe this is a planet of free will. We came here to have free will. Uh, there is no predestination. There is plans, just like any blueprint or plan can be broken. And in this, we had certain things that set up. I, I have had some really hard divinations at times where the person does not want to make that choice, and they make another choice. And what I feel like is a lot of times when those, those choices are in front of you, and it's so clear that's the choice you're supposed to make, but you go this way, it usually is a harder road but you're just not ready for that for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the right to change those things. Um, my mother was very much, she had um, precognition of accidents, so she prevented a lot. So I don't know if they had not listened to her, if they would have still had that accident. Mm -hmm. You know, So I do believe we can change those things. And if, I, I've seen heart attacks show up. I, I didn't, couldn't change that one. It was, already, it was already in process. It was actually happening when I was doing the reading. Um, not for the person, but for somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, so I've seen things in the cards that sometimes are, like I said, already in the works, and there's no way because you've already you've already stepped on that path. You've already gone down that road too far. Mm -hmm. You've reached the point of no return. But that's not predestination. That's that's your patterns, right? That's your habits. Yeah. That's your choices. That's a, a more than likely like a yeah a deeply ingrained subconscious, mm -hmm. maybe even lifetime pattern. Yeah. That leads you to a destruction. That Definitely. If you can see it coming and can't avoid it, it's because it's been you've been earning it slowly. Exactly. Which is, I do which is terrible to say that. No, but that's what we do. I know, but that's like one of the follies of like human beings. Yes. That's why I feel like it's a bit of a tragedy because it's like because we're testing how to live, and it's not always easy. <laughs> I think our traumas train us to to always seek the negative. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know. Being 52, I'm now looking at life in a very different way, and I have a lot of 20, 30-something-year-olds around me that choose these drama games that I know how useless they are at this point and how much it just causes them so much angst and disconnection and heartache for no good reason, except to play the drama game. You know, of you hurt my feelings, I'm now hurt, now I'm going to withdraw, now I'm going to do... You know, it's just, I watch this, and I'm just... I'm a little astounded because it's programmed into our society right now. You know, you watch it on TV every day. You watch these games of we've never lost high school. 
Yeah. You know. Well, there's a kind of a I think a reward system Definitely. in place for Definitely. for um, drawing attention to oneself like that. Look at our TV drama. Exactly. Like in this culture, I mean, look at the pe- look at our leaders. Our leaders are drama queens, all of mm-hmm. them. <laughs> so obviously, it's going to trickle down into the the culture at large. So. Right. Um, but is that something that you feel like you, when you were younger, that you played those games too? Oh, definitely. I think that's I why I recognize them. Oh, I me, mean, me I wouldn't, I wouldn't know them if I hadn't done it. Right. But I, that's what I mean. I know where it goes. And that's the value, right, of like being entrenched in something that's ridiculous. So when you outgrow it, well, that's why we we <laughs> lost our elder culture, and in oh. that, the elders would point out those things for us. Yeah. You know, I don't haven't had grandparents pretty much most of my life, so. Mm-hmm. Not having an older person go, is that really what you want to do? Yeah. Really was not a good thing for me, you know, because I did do the stupid things because yeah. somebody didn't go, you might want to think about where this is headed. Yeah. And maybe I wouldn't have listened, but at least I would have known after that why it was going to end up badly. Because yeah. we think we're so smart, especially in our 20s. I know, we can't be reasoned with. <sighs> not even. <laughs> See, again, that's the folly of youth, too. Mm-hmm. And again, it sounds. Uh, I remember being younger and there, and old people being, oh, it's wasted, you know, old you know, youth is wasted on the young people. And we'd be like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but uh, it's true. <laughs> it's true, I get it. But I think because I'm right behind the, I'm just a little bit further behind you on the road as mm-hmm. far as like with aging. So mm-hmm. I feel like obviously I'm close in age to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I relate to that mm-hmm. much more, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm not, I mean, I'm around a mixed bag of people, older and young, but I'm definitely not one to give advice anymore because, you know, yep. I'm not a pro. <laughs> but I think you are. I feel like you've, I feel like you've lived, um, I feel like I've lived with my little toe dipped in the water and I feel like you've jumped in where now I'm starting to be less afraid to jump in the water. So I feel like in terms of your life experience and what you have to offer younger people is a lot more than me because I feel like that's just your, your Probably your role in this life is mentor, teacher, mother. Mm-hmm. Are you a grandmother yet? Mm-hmm. Okay, so very different paths, I think, you and I. So that's why I looked at even though you're not really my elder. <laughs> <laughs> you still look like a kid, so don't worry. Um, I, I treat you as such because of your uh, you being a repository of knowledge, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're the like, like in the crone position? So elder to me does not mean age. Okay. Elder is about the knowledge. Mm-hmm. If you have come to this planet and you have gathered knowledge, you are an elder. You can be 20-something and mm-hmm. be an elder in certain things. Mm-hmm. I actually learned from somebody, the runes, he was 24, but he was an elder because he came in with that knowledge, he used that knowledge, he imparted that knowledge in a way that was amazing at 24. Mm-hmm. But was he an elder in all my ways? No. But was he an elder in runes? Definitely. You know, and so elder to me is is a respect. It's kind of like master, but we're not Japanese, right? Right. But I am half Japanese, so I think of that. So sensei is to me the same thing as elder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that teacher, that if they're teaching you, again, I can have a five-year-old that can be my elder in some things. No, totally. <laughs> so, you know, it depends yeah. on what it's about. So elder to me is not about age. So my personally, crone to me is... Um, there is a croning ritual after, but that you know, every seven years our body completely changed cells. And every seven years is actually a transformation and an initiation. So at the age of seven is the age of reason when you start to need to start making your own decisions. And if you weren't allowed to do that. And this goes along with psychology too in some ways. I was just gonna pepper that in. Mm-hmm. At the age of seven, if one isn't self regulating, they're in. They're in for a world of hurt. Right. Well, and, and if you were born into this world, if we started birth, if you were not wanted, there's things that happen there mm-hmm. because you weren't welcomed into the world in a good way. So at seven and at 14, at 14, we start uh, discovering what it is to be a young adult and what that we're going to look like and what we want to do, right? So, and at 21, we're now, you know, so you each, each seven years, you've got something going on. What's 49? 48 is, is actually 48. your power year. So 48 is when you actually start to claim, and this is with the Chinese Zodiac too. So between 48 and 52, you've gone through every cycle on this planet. Okay, and and also there's also the uh, third cycle of your numerology comes in. So there's all these things that happen around that time period, but 48 becomes your power year where you discover yourself or don't. And I've seen people that don't. Because in 48, you've kind of come to this place where if you don't put together everything you've learned before now, it usually doesn't serve you. If you've got to start changing at some point, and this is when you can take that and use it, or take it and regret is what I've seen. 
you know. So 48 is this pivotal year for a lot of reasons. That, of course, corresponds with, again, like contemporary culture, they call it midlife crisis, Mm -hmm. where, again, in contemporary psychology and mainstream psychology, they would say it's where you have exhausted what you think you, you think you've exhausted all your potentials, and then you're left with now what? But what that really means is you you fulfilled all the roles. Yes. Now what? Now what? <laughs> exactly. And there's nothing wrong with being at that point. Like no. you said, you have an opportunity to reinvent your wheel. You can go forwards, backwards, but you need to make choices, mm-hmm. right? Um, it is a pivotal point. It's almost like I feel, and that's what I feel right now in my life. Mm-hmm. At 50, it feels like do or die. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, when do, you don't know how much time you have left. No, I mean we're definitely on the time when we know we're not immortal anymore. Yeah. But we don't know how mortal we are and how long that will last, right? So if you don't do it now, when are you? Yes. At least not, on this planet. I feel like we said this in the last po- might have been us in the last podcast. If not now, when? Like, mm-hmm. there, there, it definitely must be done. Like, you know, mm-hmm. your dharma definitely has to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what makes me afraid of dying. It's not the death process. It's that I didn't fulfill my, my purpose. Right. And you're right. I, I finally get that, like, you know, death is certain. I'm not under the any right. more illusions. It's weird when you have this sort of youth, you think it's going to last forever, or you think the world as you know it will last forever. But it's like, you know, if you've, if you've known anybody that's been terminally ill and they're coping well with it, some people know how to cope with it, they have an aliveness to them and an awareness of being alive that is like nothing I've ever seen. So I wish that all people could be in that sense of, presence and gratitude for being simply alive you know what I mean there's a monk that would do a ceremony of death every morning for himself because it would let him release those things because he was so attached to the things of life that he literally would do a literally a a a death ritual every morning do you mean he would enact a death Mm -hmm. he would and he would enact what his funeral would be like so it was like a funerary rite he did to to basically get in touch with I need to make the most of this day. Right. Is this a... Now, I know this is in like a... I think this is in the Stoic tradition too, mm-hmm. where they are forced to examine their their death so that they feel more, again, present and alive and purposeful. Mm-hmm. Isn't that in the, like a samurai tradition too? Or a warrior tradition? Not sure about the samurai, but I do know um, it, Corpse Bride kind of puts it. There's there's things called geddes, which are actually uh, Baron Baptiste, which is a, a voodoo tradition and hoodoo and uh, Haitian, so he's in a lot of them, um, or the Gettes, and they are the dead, and when they come, they celebrate, because they are, they're like, they bring the party back, because they're like, you're alive, why are you not partying? We're <laughs> yeah. dead, we can't yeah. do it anymore. We can eat cake, but it, it goes right through yeah, our, exactly. our skeleton, right? We, we came to crash the party, because we want to be alive again for a second, yeah. and that's what the spirits will do. I mean, we call them party crashers at times, because we could be doing something for another spirit, and yeah. they would show up, because they love the living. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, especially with like a, a, let's see if I can say it, but with a proper accent, Dia, Dios de los Muertos, mm-hmm. where, yeah, to, uh, no wonder that's such a beautiful and lively moment mm-hmm. to, it's like, it's a great way to think of those party crashers. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they want to come back? Mm-hmm. And that's the, again, that's a bittersweetness of life. It is so great here. Why do we forget? Why Because <laughs> we, we get used to it. Okay. We get like, like a spoiled Complacent. child. Okay. We kind of get spoiled with everything. It's called the hedonistic principle. There's nothing in life, unless you're really conscious about it, that won't have its honeymoon period, mm-hmm. and then it will never be as good. Yes, I know. Whether that be that's anything, you know, and it's thirty to ninety days for most people. But if you're conscious about it, you can. That's why a gratitude ritual is really important, because then you stay conscious about what's good in your life. Yeah, that's something that keeps coming back into my my uh, sphere of awareness, like. Remember to be grateful. And I do forget that. I forget, I don't, again, it's just a, honestly, it's just a discipline. Because mm-hmm. I love to wake up and do like a, like a little gratitude prayer and, you know, a mantra. And I need to get back to my, since this, <laughs> this is the time of year to examine. Definitely. It's time to get back to Thanksgiving. That. That's totally. my favorite, yeah. Totally. Can I ask you like an off-road question? <laughs> I figured that's where we're going, right? <laughs> I know. I know. I kind of have us on, it's sort of like, you know, what's that ride at Disneyland that has the track in the middle of the wheels? Yeah. And the, the wheel keeps going, because I'm trying to go off-road, off the track. Um, but since we're talking about this, as far as like this world being so good, I feel fundamentally good, flawed, but awesome, you know? 
uh, and happiness, like the nature of happiness. Are we supposed to be seeking happiness or are we supposed to be seeking more like a sense of purpose? So you, you've studied some Buddhism, Taoism, you kind of quote some of that. So in that, um, happiness is the illusion too, right? But I do believe, because as a Western Easterner, as somebody who's Japanese-American, right? So what I found is that... Beautiful. So I, I, as an Easterner, it's very much, it's the illusion. Um, as a Westerner, I believe there's heaven or hell on this planet. I believe we could create those heaven or hells. So I believe all we have is experiences on this planet. And in those experiences, we came here to learn stuff. I don't know if there is a big game plan. I've not seen a good big game plan of good versus evil. I think it's all perspective. And in a polarity universe, we go one way or the other. Um, I do believe, though, that love and connection and those bonding experiences is all we get to take with us. You know, so all the memories we have lifetime after lifetime is why we keep coming back and why we keep trying. Because there are people, and I'm sure we all know somebody, who's completely miserable every day and stays miserable. And it's not a fun place to be. So those of us who come back to heal, to to help others, want everyone to go with us. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be the only ones that leave this planet and figure out the next part. We want to take our friends. We want to take our family. We want to take the people we care about. And so that's where the Buddhism and the, the Westernism, because I believe is a balance. I don't believe happiness is completely an illusion. I think happiness is the one thing we can hold on to and have that we can create. Um, but I also know misery is what we can create, and most of us are in the habit of creating that. So I don't think, I don't think it's pursuing happiness. I think it's pursuing wholeness. Wholeness. And do you feel like having a sense of purpose produces wholeness? I think destiny is a huge part because I believe we came in with a blueprint. And if we don't follow that blueprint, um, and I'll just interject something about palmistry here because palmistry, I can look at your palms and tell you how much on track you are. Wow. So you're... Whatever your dominant hand, so if you're left-handed, that will be your dominant. Most of us are right-handed. So we'll say, you know, your dominant hand is what you're living. The other hand is what you came in with. And so how much those lines differ to tell you how much you went off your destiny track. Interesting. And it's a blueprint. Again, so you can build a skyscraper, a skyscraper on a blueprint, and if you follow that blueprint, you're probably going to be well, better off because you planned it better, right? right? But you could then go build a hutch or, or you know, a bridge or something off a skyscraper blueprint. It's yeah. not going to turn out the same, yeah. and that's kind of how I see life. Okay. The more you went off your blueprint, the more you had to wing it. The more you didn't have plans, the more maybe you, you brought in people now that aren't useful for that project that now you're doing because who was good for a skyscraper is not good for a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. So in these blueprints, um, the more you live your blueprint, the more you probably stay happier and more fulfilled because you came in with certain skills, talents, and people right. and guardians. And so it's kind of like you set up this job, and then if you don't want to do that job, that's fine. You have free will, but don't expect the job to go as well. So when I talk to people about destiny, that's kind of how I feel it is, because we came here with a purpose. And if you're not living it, you'll always have that nagging of, I should be doing this. Right. I should have been doing that. Yeah, that is, the, that is my fear, mm-hmm. that I'm not fulfilling that. And I think that might be secretly everybody's fear also. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of seasonal events are you inviting the public for? So, um, at, at your shop, we do, uh, it's kind of interesting. We do have, um, Ifa is our, pra- is our mainstay, um, when it comes to me and Scott's personal practice. Ifa is an African Nigerian practice. We actually have an initiation coming up. So there'll be a presentation if people want to kind of see that type of world on Sunday. Um, I believe it's, uh, whatever that Sunday, 24th. Yeah, it would be because no, the Sunday before no, Halloween, be the, it would be the 25th. The Sunday before Halloween. And then, of course, Halloween, we're doing a festival. So those are the two things I know we have on the calendar right now that's open to anyone. Um, so the Halloween festival, we're looking at doing um, booths to have different diviners. So we're, I think we're going to have a medium. Um, we'll have somebody doing the runes or, and or bones, uh, plus the Wheel of the Year. 
So that will be going on. We also have our first circle classes starting again. So there's a three-month class of basic witchcraft that starts on Halloween. Wow. And then we'll do, be doing magic crafting, which is where I teach you to use herbs, oils, and stones for different reasons. So yeah. we have spiritual protection right now as a theme. So I'm going to do a spell for spiritual protection that day. And anybody's welcome to join in that. So basically just a heavy-duty spell to kind of protect us from what's coming up because what the elections in the week after yeah so um, <laughs> yeah might want some spiritual oh protection oh my god yeah. <laughs> no visuals here folks but <laughs> our hands are to our faces um indeed okay so let's break it down so the first one is can you tell me about the the african tradition that you were talking about first so ifa is um awofala kun fatumbi um wrote books on this and you can find he's written I don't know, 20-odd books on Ifa. Um, he's my elder, and he'll be coming into town. He's actually going to be speaking on Monday. So he um, is coming to initiate my son and my daughter-in-law. So we're going to, it's um, basically Ogun and Oshun. We got a presentation on Sunday, so you can kind of see them in their best stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's an initiation process we went through. And really, it's what, if I did not go through that process, I wouldn't own the store I own. Wow. Honestly, the year before is when I was initiated, and within that year, my whole life changed. And so the store, I always say it's because of Ifa. So mm-hmm. Ifa is like my mainstay, and then, I'm a, I, of course, my American witchcraft is also Halloween, but we also do Ancestor Dance at night. Mm-hmm. So at 9 o'clock, we do an Ancestor Dance, which is, again, Ifa. And so the Ancestor comes down, he dances first, and then he channels uh, what we call a gungun, which is the higher elevation of ancestors. So your goon is your dead. Um, anything in African and uh, Nigerian that's repeated, like a gungun, means the spirit of. So if I say ire, that means power, but re re means the spirit of power, right? So the spirit of ancestors, which is your elevated ancestors. So they're going to come through to give messages. And sometimes they're a little scary for people um, because you know, they're very accurate. I'm really afraid of African tr- I hate saying that and admit, mm-hmm. admitting that. I'm kind of afraid of the African tradition for some reason because I feel like it's um, like wild, you know, like Bible. wild. Yes, and I feel so like um, conditioned to be like a house cat. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a feral cat. I, I'm not an outdoor cat. I, I, you know, I again put my paw out and I go, I don't know, you know. And yeah. they're like full, you know, full on. They're out in the the wilds of like the spirit world, you know. They can be, but at the same time, remember, you know, they're the only unbroken tradition currently on this planet, because everything else is, whether you talk about Tibetan Buddhism, um, and and they're on their way out too, because they are now outlawed in their country, and that's what happens. You kill the shamans. Oh, you kill yeah. the shamans. You you take their culture. And that's what's happening in Nigeria is the sacred groves are being plowed over or are taken over. They're building churches on top of the sacred tree that's in the middle of the villages. You know, they do these things because it it breaks your spirit, your people. If you break your shamans, you break the people. And then they are open to colonization, which, you know, there's a lot of things about this, you know. And so we we are also conditioned to be afraid of those things. You know, we're conditioned to be afraid of sex. We're conditioned to be afraid of our primal nature, mm-hmm. which is what made us survive on this planet. And it's also some of the good stuff. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Again, but that's, you know, my, part of my prudish conditioning mm-hmm. is to be like, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I kind of have a little bit of a... But that's conditioning, a, a, yeah. Again, prudy, it's really mm-hmm. hard to um, dissolve that mm-hmm. construct, which really isn't mine. Mm-hmm. No, so, it's your society. It's our society. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of... It's work. It's Well, it's part of the work. It's part of your work. It's mm-hmm. spiritual work is to deconstruct what you are not right. and then again synthesize what you know you in your heart you are so. right well that's why i love hamilton because it's a rewriting of what could have happened if we weren't built on a literally white racism we were hip-hop right well because that's why yeah. i did it yeah to show the contribution that black people have brought and if you know archaeologists there's a lot of them that say we started all in africa yeah you know and what's crazy is one of the the biggest reasons COVID is affecting minorities and darker people is because if uh, the darker you are, the less vitamin D you can um, actually process and the more likely COVID will kill you. So there's a lot of things about as black people are moving to northern regions, what has to happen for them to be able to survive is you have to become whiter. You have to become lighter. Your melanin has to, you know, reduce. So there's all these things of, of evolutionary Darwinism kind of stuff you can mm-hmm. kind of see why we had to change our skin tones um, right 
that had nothing to do with political beliefs or social beliefs or yeah. it was all to do with our environment because that's how we do we invite we adapt right right so we adapt to the environment and if you have too much melanin you can't survive in lower sunlight you can't survive you know out of the tropics right. and and be happy because vitamin d uh deficiency leads to a lot of psychosis and depression yeah and conversely of why people with more melanin do better closer to the equator and are potentially more resistant to malaria. Right, because they don't get they don't get burned as right. easily. So it's all about environment and how right. we adapt as humans. Right, and how like I mean, I go out in the sun and like I feel like you know a melted candle basically. Well, in Reno, yeah. you have to have double the amount of sun anywhere else because of our elevation and because of where we're at. So if fifteen minutes is the required dose for land, you know, you know, sea level, we need thirty minutes. Yeah, I do notice that up here, I thought because the air would be, you know, because we're at a higher elevation, we would need less. But I think that you're right. The opposite no. is true. Doctors will tell you that. Yeah, yeah. it is like definitely hard to, um, I have to work on, um, you know, my seasonal effective, effective. Mm -hmm. seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. I can definitely sense it in, in D3. Reno. D3 helps so much. Oh, right on. So if you yeah. ever, if you feel depressed, literally yeah. get D3 supplements, liquid, only, a little bit better. Only at this Longitude, am I saying that right? Latitude. At, at this latitude, do I feel it though? Yeah. So it is interesting. No, I'm gonna beef up on the D3. Yeah, D3 this year. will help so much with that. For sure. Thank you. <laughs> um, so can you tell us how? Okay, so I wanted to talk to. So this is a good tie-in because I want. We're asking about all the amazing things that you're offering at your shop right now, and it sounds like there's a lot. So folks, you probably go gotta go on the website or just go in and say hi and ask them about their calendar because it is chock full of amazing stuff. Um, so. One of the features that you do during this time of year is you do your annual reading, mm -hmm. and it's called the Wheel of the Year. Mm -hmm. um, so what what does that involve? Can you tell us a little bit about the readings that you do? So the Wheel of the Year evolved from an astrological um, reading I do. So instead of four cards, because Aries, Taurus, Taurus, so I did the, uh, the Western uh, chart at one time when I realized it would be, could be converted to the year. So I start in November. So your first card is November and it goes around. Um, and in that, it's just a simple, this is, and then you have the theme of the year. And so in that, it just, because it's channeled and because I'm doing it all day, I kind of spit it out. And so if people want to record it, you know, have a, have a you know, recorder handy because I talk fast. Um, and in that, it's been very accurate for all of us, including, you know, for, for, because we do one, um, after everyone's gone, we do all our readings for the year for the temple. So, um, we always follow, and I actually do my themes for the moons based on that reading. So everything is set up according to what we read. Like, uh, for this month, we have, uh, the reverse fool. We just got out of the, we're getting out of the magician. So it's like everything I do for the open moons are revolved around that, we that wheel. And then also it, it sometimes, determines events, determines how we decide certain things. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things about it that, because divination to us is this process of, I want to see the patterns because then I can adjust better instead of being surprised, instead right. of wondering. Um, there's been a lot of times when, but we'll, you'll read it afterwards and see it a lot clearer. Well, remember I told you last time, mine was quite accurate the last mm -hmm. time you did that for me. Um, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, now this year, now you've been traditionally you've been asking for a donation, mm -hmm. uh, but this year it is going to be thirty dollars. Right. Just so people who are hearing this, um, it, you know, expect to pay thirty dollars. You're going to get an amazing session, and again, as per Misty, she'll allow you to record it. Oh, definitely. All right. Definitely. So you get something that's going to last you all year long. Would you allow? Um, do you sell gift certificates by any mm -hmm. chance? We do. Good. But do you only do the wheel reading at the beginning of the year? At the end um, of the I year? can do it at other times. It's Very not good. a problem. So, I, I would suggest getting it done, you know, not like not three months in, but right. I have done them as late as November for people, yeah. you know, that can't make it for whatever reason. So. Right on. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us how, how did you get involved with tarot for other people? So... I had an ex-husband who actually bought me my first tarot. So when people ask me about tarot, they're always like, should somebody buy it or should they, should you buy it yourself? And should, I don't think... By the way, should I be saying tarot or tarot? Does it matter? Uh, tarot, tarot. It's French. You okay. know, it's just like Ouija. Ouija is actually how it's pronounced. It doesn't really matter okay. to me. As long as it's not tarot. The T <laughs> is silently silent. <laughs> okay. Okay, so that's just a little peeve I have sometimes because it's not tarot. It is French. 
Um, I don't know why the French owned it so much. I kind of do, but no, not exactly. Because um, they were the spiritualists, and spiritualism got really big in Europe. But Ouija boards and tarot cards got popular in, in, in Europe, uh, even though we do it here in America. So I don't know why we took the French word instead of like the Egyptian word. Who knows? Um, I actually don't know that history. I've never quite found the answer to that one. When I do, I will have it. Thank you. The etymology of the word. Yes. I don't actually know why we chose those ones. Ouija was yes and no. So, but to oh, Rome. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that, one, that one makes sense, but right, I, I'm right. not really sure. I didn't mean to sidetrack you there, but... Um... No, but anyways, I had uh, some, had him buy the cards, and it was a Native American deck, and I still use it to this day. That's when you used on me. Mm-hmm. I use a Native American deck, and so it's just always worked for me. Um, but I have like 15, 16 other decks, you know, because... Is that your favorite one, the Native American deck? That- it's just my day-to-day. I've been using it for so long. I mean, when you've used it for 27 years, you kind of know it inside out. And because it's not quite right or weight, um, it's got a little bit different themes. So instead of the Hierophant, it will have the Shaman. Um, so it's like little things like that that change the flavor and so I know what that means um, compared to but if I do right away I can read I can read a lot of decks it's not a problem it's just sometimes themes change a little bit like if you're reading a fairy deck it's going to have a little bit you know different theme than a mermaid deck than a unicorn deck or you know whatever is out there there's so many of them now yeah I mean, I always grok to the Rider Waite just because that was my very first thing that was in my okay. hand. Of and it's good to learn that one first because yeah. pretty much all decks are based on that. Right. So. And then uh, any feeling about the uh, Aleister Crowley deck, the Thoth deck? Thoth deck is, because Rider Waite, I realized Aleister Crowley was part of what created the original Rider Waite. So Rider Waite was, um, the writer was the, the artist and Waite was A.E. White Waite. And he did a lot of, the research for Golden Dawn. So Dion Fortune, Aleister Crowley, um, A.E. E. Waite, uh, and I, thought, I can't think of the first name of the artist, but there was also Pamela Smith. Pamela, so there's yeah. two, there was Pamela two Pamela of them. Yeah. But Ryder always gets the credit even though she did most of the artwork first. Um, so it kind of got changed over the years. But either way, they were all part of Golden Dawn. Mm-hmm. And in that spiritualist movement back in the 1800s, they created a system that was based on Egyptian mixed with Judaism, Hebrew language stuff. They cr- they crafted this thing that created those symbols and those ways to look at the major arcana, minor arcana. But it all came then from a card game, right? So they took a card game mm-hmm. and that form, which um, is called Leonormand. So Lenormand is another form, which is using just playing cards, mm-hmm. okay, and the symbols. And you could see one either way. They took that and they mixed it in with these symbols to make the major arcana, which was the fool's journey, which is the Sephiroth or the tree of knowledge. Okay. So if you use the, the tree of knowledge, you'll see the 22 paths that create the major arcana. Right. So they made a spiritual journey along with this card game. And so the two then became what we know now. So it's it's kind of kind of convoluted journey. And now people have gone in some crazy directions when it comes to the themes of the major or the, you know, I've seen decks with just the goddesses. It works very differently than Rider Waite, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of themes out there, but it's not that they're wrong. It's just what appeals to you. How do you read things? Um, sometimes people just like Oracle decks, you know, they're not going to want the full divination thing. But to me, it's very, it's more accurate about reading patterns, you know, because if you want a daily draw, Oracles are great for that. But if you want, to understand your patterns, you want to go to, you know, tra- traditional tarot. Right. So what we're using now to, today, mm. it doesn't go back very far. Mm. No, not really. It only goes back to... 1860, like, 1880, right. somewhere in there. I mean, because there are some people that assert that it goes back into, like that there's a direct line to Egypt. It's the same but thing. that's a, mm. a myth, mythical, yeah. right? Very it's the same thing as saying Wicca is old. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as the roots. I mean, Wicca is. Um, who is the gentleman that? Uh, Gardenarian. Yes. The gardeners or or the um, their their name just just escaped my mind there. Um, but they basically uh, Alexander and Alexanders. The Alexandrian and the Gardenarians were only back in the 1950s, and and we do suspect they had something to do with fighting Hitler because he was very much into black magic, and so a lot of their traditions got really strong and more prominent because they actually did work to counter him. 
Wow. So there's a lot of speculation theory around that because that's why we think it came out in the 50s because they needed more people to fight what he was doing. Right, because, yeah, he was obsessed. He was obsessed with the occult. And the Norse. And the, and the Norse. And this is why white supremacy the, could connect right. with him so well because he actually enforced the Norse holidays. Uh, he actually was very pagan. So in that he used the runes, um, the runes are in Sowilo backwards, which is a rune, you know, for the sun, the sun wheel. Mm -hmm. And it's been used as a sun wheel, not just in, in the runes, but in, in Native American traditions and a lot mm -hmm. of different traditions, but he reversed it. He did a lot of things on purpose with black magic. See, I hate, uh, I shouldn't use hate. I, I, dis, I, extreme, I have an extreme disdain for people in power that will take a thing that is good, fundamentally good, good for the people at large, and use it against them. But it's never the gun, it's always the person behind the gun, right? Right. And all things can be dangerous. Right. All things can do good or evil, yeah. but depending on what side of the gun and what it's doing for you, right? Yeah. So magic is the same thing. I don't think there is inherent good or evil in any energy. Yeah. I think it's our, our how we use it yeah. and what we're doing with it that creates more of the stuff we want or don't want. Right. Now, I sidetracked you earlier when I asked how you originally got into the card, mm -hmm. and then I goofed off with <laughs> tarot. But uh, can I get back to that question? Mm -hmm. So um, you said that that original deck was gifted to you by an ex-husband. Mm -hmm. And you, um, did you say, in an earlier conversation, you said that you were reading for friends or coworkers. Mm -hmm. So how long would you say that you were reading for coworkers before you decided... You know, I'm good at this. I want to do more of it, expand. It. I uh, actually was on. I was a phone psychic for a while. So when I first moved here, twenty almost twenty two years ago now, I was actually a phone psychic for a couple of years. It get really hard though because you get the same question from certain people, and it breaks your heart. Yeah. When is he coming back? Oh no! And these are women that you could clearly tell, because as a psychic, you read what's there, and yeah. these were abused women mm -hmm. or. Women that really needed to learn to move on and, and respect themselves or where they were at in some way, shape, or form because the partner was not, you know, and that was the most heartbreaking calls was when I can't, when I tell them, can you move on? That is so sad to hear that because now also your, first of all, the need that a person has like that, that deep emotional need to, they're obviously, they're hurting and desperate, um, but also does that kind of put you in the, like accidentally the driver's seat of like a psychologist or counselor or it's why I know. went down the road of therapy and why I'm now a certified hypnotherapist yeah. because in all this I was looking for answers of what do you tell people when that thing happens yeah. because as a psychic and as a witch there's not many answers I can give you except this is your this is your script this is what you're what you're doing right now this is how you're living um, I can give basic answers, but I had to find other answers. And so I went looking for those answers. And that's why I know so many things. I have so many different classes and like I'm learning mind-body therapy right now. I have all these therapies to help people with those questions mm -hmm. because I didn't like not having those answers, you know. And I, and I had the same problems myself, you know. So I went looking for answers for myself first. Um, but usually we look for answers for others first instead of ourselves. And this is where I steer people always towards you need to help yourself first. Right. Broken healer syndrome is a thing. You're just going to keep breaking you and others until you heal yourself. Right. You know, so those kind of things drove me to find the answers that I currently have. To you know? heal your own life first and then move, move outward from there. Mm -hmm. That's good advice for sure. Um, so... Again, we're going to hop back into the... Thank you, for, by the way, for sharing that. That's amazing. Um, would you recommend to a person, let's say a beginner, that's they're interested in tarot, but uh, maybe they are... <laughs> Sorry, Misty. <laughs> uh, you're enduring me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, let's say they maybe they don't want to be, you know, have their, their, their card read, they're a little nervous, but they're interested and they want to kind of play with the cards themselves. Isn't it a good device to kind of get to know one's, examine one's own psychology, subconscious, get to get to know the cards themselves? Like, would you recommend that they uh, delve into uh, like a single card reading or a three card reading for themselves, something simple? I say trust your intuition more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I will recommend people when they get a deck to before you read the explanation, look at the card and get what you see first. Mm -hmm. um, I do that with the store too. You come to the store, I want something for love. Well, look around, we'll see what's shiny. I think people's intuition, I think we have all the answers within. Everybody. Everybody mm -hmm. has their answers within. All of us know. 
And no matter how much you people state they don't know, there's a part of them that always does. And if you can access that part, things make more sense because we always do know on some level. And my job is to help you figure that out. Mm -hmm. You know, my job is to help you trust yourself because I don't want you to make, I don't want to be your guru. I don't want to be the one that makes your answers. I don't want to be the one that fix your world. You probably shouldn't trust somebody that says they want to be your guru. Uh, they they might be doing a, they might be doing for selfless reasons, but they might not be. Right. Because maybe they haven't identified that I am not the solution. I'm not anybody's solution. Right. I am only a person who offers tools and structure. Right. I am not your solution. I am not the one that will fix you. You will. Mm -hmm. I have to offer space to hold that space and to let you fix yourself. Right. And so in this, if you're doing tarot readings for yourself and learning to trust your intuition, that's always good. You know, because in that, that's what you're going to learn. Mm -hmm. is how to trust you, how to trust what you already know. Hmm, that's tough, but good. <laughs> that's like good motherly, motherly speak, like mm -hmm. tough, but tough, but firm and loving. Well, we want to use this. Yeah. And this is just as important. You know, yeah. the heart is, the mind is, is part of the body. The heart is actually the center of how we feel, how we, if you're heart-centered, and from that comes your intuition, you know, heart and gut. You know, mm -hmm. you come from these lower parts in ourselves. We want to make it all above the neck. Yeah. It's really below the neck totally. that is going on. This holds memories. Um, you know, the trauma that's hidden inside your body. If you get a massage and you start crying or something comes up, it's because these memories are stored in our body. This is why you have ghost limbs. The body is so much more than the mind. And we want to go to the mind to fix it all. And this is the monkey brain. Yeah. This will take us off on. Okay, so is the brain, the brain, to me the brain is not the mind. No. Would you agree with that? No. The brain is the, the three-dimensional model, the juicy. The it's the organ, just like the right, heart. Right. Just like the liver. But it's the, an organ. What do you describe the mind as? The mind is the part of the body that is thinking, is holding on to those, is processing, but it doesn't happen just in the brain. Mm -hmm. Like literally, you can process stuff in any part of your body. So consciousness, would you say, is not localized? No. To like, or right here? No. It's all this whole no. unit, right? That's why if you, when you go to sleep and you're in the astral, you still are conscious. Right. You have no body at that point. Right, God. It's such a weird... Well, that's it's, where, a, it's a wild world. <laughs> well, if you learn meditation, yeah. you learn that you can step out of the body and you're still thinking and conscious. Right. And that's not mind either. That's your soul. That's your spirit. Mind is just the part that takes, tries to take over and tell it everybody that they're in control. Right. You know, my, one of my favorite teachers, Louisa Tish, has a story where all the body parts are fighting, but who actually wins is the butthole. Because when it shuts down, <laughs> nothing does. So who's really in control of the body yeah. is not the mind. Because yeah. if it that, that shuts down, nothing's going anywhere. Guess what? Or, Everybody else is hurting. Yeah, or everyone's going, or it's or it's all going everywhere. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, so honor the body a little bit more as an yeah. intelligent source. Mm -hmm. Right? That's brilliant. Um, so now, back to the, we're zigzagging. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, there's a few cards that we're always afraid of, and then you mentioned the one card that I wasn't sure, the scary, <laughs> scary card. So I always wonder, why are we afraid of the devil card or the death card? And then I want you to talk about the three of swords. Okay. But so old Diablo, what's yes. the deal with him? Well, because he is the epitome of evil, right? We've all been taught to fear him, whether or not we were raised Christian. We all know about him. We all know he's the one that's going to trick us, that's going to fool us. Um, because in common society, and I think it's funny because I have thought of myself as educated and I will fall for some of the propaganda out there at times. Um, court cases, like did, does most people know that Martha Stewart was acquitted and found innocent of all her charges? Most people don't follow up stuff after the fact, but everybody knows she went to jail. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that story, right? But they don't know that she was actually found innocent. And that she was, they actually apologized, but there's nothing done. They already threw her in jail, right? Well, good for her, because now she has street cred. Yeah. And she's innocent, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying, how many yeah. people follow up these stories? You're right. And so in this, the devil is that societal structure that you were supposed to be aware of, because he's going to take us, he's going to sell your soul, which I don't even know how you would put, what would you sell your soul for? Sixty three ninety eight. <laughs> That's how much? It's on sale. <laughs> But they don't, what are they going to get in return, really? <laughs> Honestly, 
<laughs> a lifetime of servitude? I don't think so. No, nope, 90 day guarantee. That's it. <laughs> there you go. But either way, it's it, the devil is this, this scary character. And in most pantheons, he is the trickster. And the trickster is feared, again, um, even in my own tradition of Ifa, um, Eshu is the trickster, and they would say he lies to you. But being an Eshu, being somebody who follows that perspective, I don't lie to people. I might let you assume things, mm -hmm. but I'm usually going to tell you things, that, the honest truth, because you're not going to want that. You're going to think I'm lying to you. Can the trickster be helpful? Oh, God, yes. The coyote, the tricksters are always helpful. Without the tricksters, there's no change. Right, isn't Loki? He's the Loki trickster. Loki is a trickster. Maui. Coyote. I love Maui. Mm -hmm. He's the trickster. Set yeah. in the Egyptian. And oh, you'll watch the tricksters in each pantheon be the devil. Mm -hmm. So we're all afraid of the tricksters of life because mm -hmm. we think we're being tricked, gaslighted. Uh, you know, all those things that, because it may be too good to be true or it may be our truth and we don't want to face it. And it's always like a more glamorous option. I feel like the, de the devil is very glamorous, very sexy, but that's not always the best choice. Well, but the devil also is the real, real the, because in the card, like if you look at the Rider Waite, the man and the woman are standing there with very loose chains. They yeah. could slip them at any time. Right. We want to blame someone for our stuff right? instead of be responsible that we put ourselves there. Yeah. We put those manacles on ourselves. Yeah. We want to blame them because... Just like it's the BDSM culture, I've seen this. You want to have daddy so you can blame them for the bad choices that you're making. Yeah. And you mean even in that sort of reenactment, it's that's what they're doing. Interesting. A lot of times they want yeah. somebody to control their life yeah. because they don't feel like they can. But then you choose a dom because most doms don't actually know how to be a dom in some ways, because it's not about they have to master yourself. You have to master yourself. It's not about being in control of others. It's right. about being master of yourself. And in that, you can tell people what to do, but they usually aren't going to want to do what you're asking them to do. Mm -hmm. It's not the game, right? And, and the devil is that, I know me. Do you know you? Mm -hmm. And so in that, that's a reality that's very scary because mm -hmm. when you're faced with your truth, you want to deny it. Mm -hmm. Wow, I have never thought about it like that deep. That's cool. That's a great answer. <laughs> I have to deal with tricksters. I, wow, I deal with tricksters a lot. Very good. Well, well said. Um, how about the death card? The death card, I mean, people, if you haven't dealt with a mortality issue, that's always a scary thing. Mm -hmm. And if you have, aren't really sure what's on the other side. Um, you know, the amount of people that have come up to me over the years, because like I said, I worked lots of different jobs, that would go, oh, I want to pray for you. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned for your soul. And I'm like, I know where my soul is. Do mm -hmm. you know where yours is? Mm -hmm. Because I deal with this stuff. I deal with both sides. Mm -hmm. I know the other side very well. Mm -hmm. I know what to expect. I know if I do a past life regression or a neonatal, the same thing shows up no matter what your beliefs. Can I ask you again another quickie? Mm -hmm. Are you afraid to die? No. You feel fine with it? No. I don't I mean, want to. I've yeah. set my life up now where I can do a lot in a short time yeah. now. I don't want to. Yeah. But am I afraid of it? No. And I, I know, I'll know it when it comes because I've always known these things. Do you feel like you'll be able to retain your sense of who you are? Like you're I actually know how to do that. It's called a Merkaba and it's where vampirism comes from. You, you, I, I woke up at three. I did it before. I can do it again. I woke up with a consciousness. I, I was crying at seven years old that the sun was going to die. You know, I, I worried about things in third grade that most people should worry about in their adult life. So mm -hmm. I know I woke up early. I know I came in with a lot of knowledge. I came in with a lot of my past lives. Mm -hmm. I was raised Jewish. I was praying in Catholic, to in, in a Catholic way, at a window, praying to be forgiven of my sins because I've lived a lot of lives as monks. You know, I remembered these things, and I had to clear that to then be able to be clearer on this path. But I came in with a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. already tacked to me. I, you could do that. You can go from life to life, and you have to. There's, it's in the um, Flower of Life series. Um, Melchizedek writes about it. But there is a way to preserve your memory. And you feel like that's your your path, mm -hmm. right on. Thank you. That is again, mm -hmm. that's a very encouraging thought. Mm -hmm. Think that. Do you think that anybody can achieve that? Or, I don't know if a lot of people are interested in that. If you believe, if you're on your deathbed, and this is from past, doing past life regressions, mm -hmm. you can program so much to your future lives, it's not even funny. Future and past. I believe time is fluid. So mm -hmm. I've done work now that I feel has affected my past. 
oh. and change things from the past to now right. that, that also changes my future. So I don't think time is a linear thing except in this body. Yeah. But in the soul, I think we go backwards and forwards I mean, wherever again, we want to be. Why not? That, I mean, in, in, in the uh, quantum, back to like, you know, the hypoth hypothesis of the quantum world, why not? There is no, there is no no. There is no, like, in quotations, the word no, you know? Right. Not but no, it's a no. lot harder to program the positive. This is why you don't see as many positive hauntings. Yeah. There are positive hauntings. There's a hotel where there's a woman who loved her hotel, and she comes, and she's in the middle of the ballroom in her stuff. And <laughs> But that's a rarity, right? Yeah. I think the same thing goes with our lives. We are so programmed to, to you must survive, and this is the lesson that, that almost killed us or did kill us. Um, you must remember these things is what I see in a lot of what I call, they're called, um, Throw, you know, you throw them to your, your future lives. Um, I think you can do it, but it's a lot harder mm -hmm. to go, no, if you do these things right, it will be good. So do you feel like in the tradition of like uh, the Tibetan, like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, mm -hmm. that they, uh, I mean, that's the, the coaching mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. To keep the, the person conscious as they are transitioning into right. the bardo. Right. So that's a real thing then. Yes. Very good. Again, that's encouraging too, but I mm -hmm. think... You have to be working. They're more neutral when they're doing that work. They're not trying to nest. But again, this is this is more of a Buddhist type. Yeah. So they believe both are the illusion. I don't think they're both an illusion. I think they're both realities that yeah. we can choose. Right, right. Now um, yeah, let's talk about general, <laughs> the Three of Swords. The Three of Swords is the misery. Um, it is the drama. It is the pain. It is making those decisions, and all of them are coming to play, and you're going to have heartbreak and misery. It's just there's no way to put a positive spin on the Three of Swords. Mm -hmm. The Three of Swords, when I see that coming, is always this, you've got some hard lessons ahead of you. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, Dustin basically wants me to throw it away because he got it for one year, and it was really hard. And he's like, just take it out of the deck. I don't even want to ever see it again. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't quite do that. It's yeah. there, it's there. Yeah. But there's a part of me that's like, why not? <laughs> yeah. Because it is a hard thing. Yeah. It is a hard thing. And that's like, and that goes back to the bittersweetness of life. It's like, we have to It's do not bittersweet, though. This is the misery of the, life. The misery. This yeah. is the hell we will, will build and put ourselves into. Three of Swords is that. When we pierce our own heart. Do you feel like everyone will experience that? Oh, yeah. We all have that. Piercing of the heart. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's why we're afraid of taking risks or moving on or right. doing something different. Right. So to kind of wrap up the tarot talk, <laughs> it's been great. Thank you. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about this statement that uh, Teresa Reed, who is a, a tarot reader down in, I think, Los Angeles, says, tarot tells the story, but you write the ending. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I, I agree because in this I only can read your radio and when I'm doing a reading I am listening to what you are trying to tell yourself mm -hmm. and I'm using the cards as a tool because I could do it psychically but it's so much easier with cards because the cards are going to lay it out and I'm not then worried about any bias that might come in from, from trying to interpret just psychic vibration, right? So the cards are this tool that I've trusted now for you know two decades and in this they give me the story. And even if you don't recognize it, it's still there. And I, I don't take it personally when people can't identify with what I'm saying sometimes mm -hmm. because down the road, most of them do recognize it finally. Or because they just, we get so blind and we, we come so in denial of we have control of this, that this is actually we, our choices and our habits and we can make it different. We want to believe that there is fate, that there is something else making these decisions sometimes. Well, because then it puts us like in a victim mm -hmm. stance rather than we're, at, we're the captain of the, the mm -hmm. ship. But it also makes you responsible for all the stuff, right. good and bad. It is a lot of responsibility to, to claim it. So, um, wow, you've covered a lot, a lot of awesome awesome subject matter and uh, behind the scenes. Uh, there was a lot of funny stuff, the kerfuffles that happened before we got recording today. So I just wanted to say thank you for your patience and you just have a, a wonderful, um, very giving, loving spirit. And I wanted to thank, thank you. you. Um, so to wrap it up, we're going to talk about an event that's happening tonight. Unfortunately, we'll have to catch it next year. Right. But the, this is just to show you um, how, how all the fun, exciting things that they're doing with Reno Magic. They're doing an event tonight called Odin's Wild Hunt. Can you tell us what's going to happen tonight in the corn maze? So we usually go to Ferrari Farms. We're looking to find another one because we like to run full out. 
So Odin comes and he stalks us. So there's a myth <laughs> on Halloween that the dead escaped from Helheim. And so he went to go round them up. And there's a whole video game series called The Witcher based on this kind of story too. But basically Odin goes to catch the lost souls. And so we're the lost souls that are trying to escape. And so we go into the corn maze and he has two wolves. So there's three of us. So there's the two wolves and him hunting us. And um, when they catch us, they give us um, a, a bracelet. And so in that, um, after we get the bracelet, we then, if we find Loki, who's also in the corn maze, he'll give us a second one. And that frees us again. Yeah. So the, the object is to go with no bracelets or to end up with two bracelets. If you have one, you have you didn't you got caught. Yeah. So so but because they can take your one bracelet again and again. So you end up with keeping the one bracelet and you'll lose Loki's. But you know. So we had some people that come out with none. Um, the last few years they they've been more prevalent, but it's kind of hard to escape all of them, especially because they'll lurk around the, the exit <laughs> right. to catch you, and it's just not fair. So cute though. <laughs> what a cute fun thing. How how many years have you been doing this? I want to say 10 years, but because it was before the store. So, yeah, I think around 10 years. That's a blast. Yeah. I wish I, could, I, wish I were able to join you guys tonight. <laughs> and so what time do you usually do that? Is that pretty late? 7, 7 p.m. Oh, that's not too late. Yeah, but um, it goes you, till 10 or Are 11. you making good time, though? Oh, yeah. Still very good. Oh, yeah. um, God, that sounds so fun. Thank you for sharing yeah. all this, all your knowledge. And, again, always wishing you the best of success. You've been helpful with me in my personal life, and I hope that you continue to help other people in the community beyond. So, Misty Grey Knights, thank you so You're much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye.